0: You can't build a peaceful world on empty stomachs and human misery.
1: You're listening to Talking Biotech, the weekly podcast illuminating issues in agriculture and medical biotechnology. Your questions and concerns are answered using a science-based approach with the goal of driving innovation to application with communication. Now here's your host. Dr. Paul Vincelli.
2: Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss contemporary issues in science and technology with a focus on biotechnology and new innovations that can help people and the planet. I'm Paul Vincelli, sitting in for Dr. Kevin Falta. And today we're going to be talking about regulating genetically engineered crops in Uruguay, South America. And I'm here with Dr. Alejandro Ferenzi and uh, who is the head of biosecurity at the Ministry of Agriculture and the coordinator of risk assessment for the Commission on Risk Management for uh, crops, including uh, genetically engineered crops. So a great welcome to you, Alejandra. We really appreciate you being here.
3: Thank you very much.
2: It's a pleasure. So uh, I'm here in Uruguay teaching a course in genetic engineering of crops, and and, uh, and Alejandra is part of the uh, instructional team. Um, so we've gotten to know each other very well. I, I do want to say, Alejandra, before we talk about your background and and, uh, and other uh, aspects, um, the, I, you know, this is my third time in Uruguay, and, and I've I love the people, I love the food, uh, I love the way you speak Spanish. It's very, it's kind of a musical accent, and Uruguayans are very uh, combined, both warmth and uh, professionalism, and so uh, it's a great country. I'm very glad to visit.
3: Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad to meet you too, and I'm glad you, you like Uruguay. Good. That's <laughs> yeah,
2: great. I hope to come back. So uh, we'll talk about your work uh, as a regulator in just a minute, but um, why don't you tell us first about maybe a little bit about your background, including where you learned such good English.
3: Oh, well, no. I, I have to apologize for my English, but uh, no, I'm I study here in, in Uruguay at the School of Agronomy for my degree, and uh, in agronomist, and then I did a master degree at Michigan State mm-hmm. University, and um, with Randy Bodry in post-harvest physiology mm-hmm. of fruit and vegetables, sure. and then um, I switch topic. Uh, also at Michigan State, and I did my PhD degree with Rebecca grammett in plant breeding and, and genetics. And there, I did my thesis in in environmental risk assessment of uh, transgenic crops. Mm. And from there, it's my connection with the regulatory system in in Uruguay.
2: Very good. Yeah, that seems like a, a wonderful background. So uh, for what you're doing, so wh- why don't you give us give our listeners an overview? of uh, the way genetically engineered crops or GMOs are regulated here in Uruguay?
3: Yes, good. Well, here in, in Uruguay, the, um, we have a process-based system. We, we were discussing this at the course this week. And uh, in Uruguay, we regulate um, all crops that are new varieties and crops that comes from the um, uh, genetically engineering process. And uh, that we have a specific regulatory system for that. So far, Uruguay uh, has a regulation on GMOs only for vegetables. We are in the process to to elaborate uh, uh, to to broaden this regulation to animals and, and microorganisms. But so far, it's in vegetables, and uh, we base the the analysis on the risk risk uh, risk analysis methodology. That's like uh, global characteristics of our system. and um, the legislation we have creates different commissions based on the risk analysis methodology. And as you know, this methodology is applied uh, can be applied to any new technology. so then the regulatory system use it to for for genetically engineering techniques and uh, the risk analysis methodology has three, Areas. It okay. has risk management. Risk
2: management. Okay.
3: Then it has risk assessment, assessment. and risk communication. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to describe you how we perform the three areas and how they interact. Okay. Uh, so regarding the risk, uh, risk, risk management, um, there it is the highest authority, which is the National Biosafety Cabinet. We call it in Spanish, it's GNBIO, it's, GN it's GENEBIO, we say. It's, the, it's a formed by six ministers, the Ministry of Agriculture, Environment, Health, Economy, Industry, and Foreign Affairs. And they have the final decision if to authorize or not a new event that wants to be used in Uruguay. And then that's the, the, in the risk management. Also in the risk management it is the, the risk management commission we call it in Spanish, it's uh, CGR. It's the uh, as we call them, CGR. This commission is the one that leads all the system. And they, it is formed by one representative of each of the ministers I mentioned from the cabinet.
2: So the ministers are not involved directly in that, but they have representatives yes. involved with the uh, Risk Management Commission. Is yes. that right?
3: Yes, okay. and that commission... Uh, f- functions in or, or it uh, it meets every two weeks at the ministry yeah. of agriculture mm-hmm. and uh, it is it, uh, in, in this ministry minister, minister there is um, the secret the technical secretariat for and it's the of, the biosafety office where everything um, everything works here but it part- it's a commission with other Uh, with six ministers, actually. It's a a difference I want to make because in other countries, for example, in Argentina, it is only the Ministry of Agriculture that leads all the process and perform the risk analysis. Mm -hmm. And so just to make the difference that in Uruguay, the whole system is formed by six ministers. Only at the Ministry of Agriculture it works, the secretariat, and the meetings and are performed here. Mm-hmm. But uh, that,
2: that, And that's just because it's a convenient location, yes, I assume.
3: Yes, yes, yes. It, right. It's a way that it was... Uh, it's, it's the way that it was defined yeah. by, by this ministry because it's also this ministry has uh, responsibilities on the production and, and after it is authorized, it, it is other issues linked also with this ministry. Okay. But that's one uh, a difference if we compare with other countries. Right. And um, so this is the risk management uh, area. It's the cabinet with okay. the ministries directly okay. and they get together yeah about once a year to make the final decisions of all the events that we have been analyzing during the year. Okay. So once a year, once once a year, year the ministers
2: vote, make a a final decision. Yes. And and all of that represents the risk management portion of risk analysis.
3: Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. And then the Risk Management Commission leads the whole process and they they fix the due date for the report and the public consultations and they they define Mm -hmm. everything meeting every two weeks. They go meet my meet um, defining things
2: and and you 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 are attrib- contributed to the risk management commission i think on
3: and on the other area that is the risk assessment okay. uh, part of the risk analysis is the risk assessment and we differentiate it as the technical and scientific Analysis okay. regarding more the political issues that this other oh, commission defines. So I the see. risk management is all the they they include all the political issues, legal issues, socioeconomic issues, uh, all market issues. They they um, they deal with those things. Gotcha. On the other way, on the other part is the risk assessment. Um, risk assessment part is yes. the technical and scientific analysis, and okay. we analyze risk, a uh, possible risk for environment and health. We okay. analyze only those, or those, specifically those things, okay. and we have specific terms of reference uh, that the Risk Management Commission defined for us. They ask us to study and to analyze issues regarding environment and health, and we have to to analyze that in a technical and scientific way, saying that we have to everything has to be justified, all the report, everything has to be documented, and with the reference we use, and uh, uh, explaining the whole process, how it was. Okay. So we receive the information and we analyze it, and I, I do the coordination of this. And the way it is in Uruguay is uh, nine institutions participate in this analysis. So it is if you read the decree that is the, the legal document that we have, you will read uh, the risk assessment on biosafety. There is the, the the instance from where everything is coordinated. I work that's my position, like as I'm the coordinator you're the coordinator. I am the coordinator okay. there and I interact with a representative from each of the nine institutions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we get together once a month and we coordinate the work and we say well the risk management commission is asking us to analyze this event and this event and and look at these issues and these terms of reference so then the due date will for the report will be this one and then so then Mm, this instit- this representative from the nine institutions they elaborate a report and they send it to me and I elaborate uh, one report that um, gathers all the opinions and in the annex I put all the other all the institutions' report reports yeah. and i and in my report you can read the whole st- the whole process when the applicant um, gave us the information what the risk management commission asked us to do, and how we did the process, and who, which institutions send the opinion, what the report says, and uncertainties we find, and ju- all the justification and explanations regarding environment and health.
2: So, just to re- to recap um, for our listeners, uh, there's the um, under the risk. Um, analysis program there's a risk management arm
3: mm-hmm. right
2: and then there's the um, risk assessment arm the risk assessment arm is the one that does the science to provide uh, that information to the risk management arm and uh, and then there's a risk communication
3: arm yes and the, um, I forgot to mention in the scientific arm in the risk assessment arm it's a the representatives from the nine institutions form what we call the Institutional Coordination Committee. So, I am not part of that committee, I coordinate with them the analysis. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and as the way we work is a, like the representative from each of these institutions uh, bring people from its institution with expertise on different areas, and we work in four areas: molecular characterization, environment like gene flow and, and issues related to that, mm-hmm. and uh, NTO um, non-target organisms impact, mm-hmm. possible impact sure. on them, and uh, food and feed safety. Mm-hmm. So we. We form what we call ad hoc groups in these four areas. Ad hoc groups, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. in these four areas. So then maybe to have an idea, maybe we have between 20 and 20, 25 people analyzing one one event in, in these different
2: groups. How many people, I'm sorry, did you say?
3: Between 20 and 25. Oh, quite a few. Yeah. Yes, when, when yes, the best years was in that in that way. Maybe we have less sometimes but mm-hmm. it's like in the molecular characterization group, maybe there are 8, 10 people working and in, and in this way we mm-hmm. in another group maybe 5 people in, and, and these are the 4 areas we, we analyze the information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the thing we do, this is another thing, we always clarify to the public is that it is true that we, we, we do not perform by ourselves the risk assessment, actually. We analyze the risk assessment performed by the applicant. So we, if we, reading the information and the data, we see that we need to repeat something in Uruguay, we do it, and we ask for that.
2: So you ask the maybe the company for that? Maybe, yes, okay.
3: we we can we we can do it. Yeah, in the way we decide uh, to okay, do it, sure. and um, and we we can ask as regulators, we can ask as many information as we need and yeah. the time that we need. So, in part, my my job is to to analyze the information that is the additional information that is requesting and always trying to. To go to the risk hypothesis, to, to go down mm. to the risk hypothesis. Mm. Is this nice to know, or is this this is real t- that mm. w- we need to know this one for a risk hypothesis, or is because a scientific want to know this one because it's nice to know? Because we're curious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. or something like yeah. 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 So we are we are always um, uh, because it's not the same to be a scientific mm. versus a regulator. Like yeah. we need to elaborate a report. To take a decision, so that's uh, that's the way, and that's uh, it. Could be great if we could repeat and do all the experiments by ourselves, but it's not possible. And yeah. we, there is w- the, the key issue here. The key point is to have the the right specialist that can read the 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 study or can read the trail how it was uh, done, how it was performed the study, and to say yes, this is well done, this is okay, this is not and to understand the data they give us so mm-hmm. that's why we are all the time asking for courses like the one that we are doing now trying to trying to to maintain the the, the capacity of the regulators that participate and and that's yeah so that was to finish the risk assessment arm uh-huh. and now as your question was the the risk communication arm and so far we have uh, uh, from one side, there is internal communication in the system that we we have two websites. Uh, one for the risk management commission, we have a website for them, and there we uh, there are different information they are analyzing. So we post their information, and then it's the the risk assessment website that only the regulator can have access to it, and they sign. Um, document that they they will use it as confidential in a confidential way or or not or use that information only for the purpose of the regulatory system analysis
2: and not to share
3: not to share Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, the app when we receive the application many of the information we can google it and we find it Mm -hmm. outside also but there are some information that but always is, is that happen that you can google it and you find it we cannot do that uh, from this website from this because we load uh, all the applicant information mm-hmm. the form we have a, a form with different questions and the applicant answer the these questions and that's it is our guide for the risk analysis that we do so they there. They, are, they uh, attach all the original data and everything. So, well, the regulator have access to this website, and we have also permanent email communication, and that's a way to communicate internal communication of the system, right. and then the outside communication for the this risk communication arm. We as soon as the. Um, the, uh, an application entered the system. We publish in the website, we publish a summary of it with no confidential information. Mm-hmm. We just publish a summary. That is only for the public to know what we are analyzing. That's only for them to know what is in the system being analyzed.
1: Okay.
3: And then there is, uh, once all the technical reports are finished, when i finished the, the the report that i gather the opinion of all the nine institutions and I explain in that report all the process i send it to the risk management commission and they read it and if they think we we complete all the terms of reference they publish in two newspapers uh, with high circulation uh, in, in, in the days with people most buy these newspapers they publish an announcement saying that since, since I don't know, since next Monday, all the technical reports will be available at a website. For and we are doing 30 days of this. Um, 30 days of notice. Yes, yeah. 30 days. So mm-hmm. then, for 30 days, the the reports are on the website, mm-hmm. and we receive comments uh, by email and also yeah. written. People can send it here to this minister, and we receive comment for 30 days. That's okay. another way that people can participate on the system, looking at, at that.
2: Great. Yeah, good. Well, we're uh, we're going to uh, take this opportunity to take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Alejandra Ferenzi. She is the head of biosecurity at the Ministry of Agriculture here in Uruguay and also involved in, uh, the, is in fact, the coordinator of risk assessment for the Commission on uh, Risk Mitigation for Genetically Engineered Crops. And, um, and so we'll be back uh, soon to talk about that and, and sort of drill down on some of the aspects. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. As always, we're excited to deliver the exciting stories of how DNA-based technologies are providing new solutions for people all over the planet. We're learning more about who we are as a species, the life around us, and how we can produce better food for more people with sensitivity to this big stupid rock in space that sustains us. This podcast is funded 100% by Kevin Fulta and comes to you free each week for your listening pleasure. We actively turn away advertisers that could defray the costs of this enterprise because that would simply reinforce the beliefs of the whistleblowing merchants of doubt that believe education is simply a tentacle of corporate conspiracy. You can help by writing a review on iTunes. Tell your friends, write a review on a blog, or leave some positive thoughts on the BuzzFeed article about me, Fern Blazer. Most of all, share the beautiful stories of science that you hear each week. And thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast.
2: And we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast with Dr. Alejandra Ferenzi uh, from the Ministry of Agriculture here in Uruguay, Montevideo, Uruguay. And thanks once again for being with us, Alejandra. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you. So you described, um, kind of gave us an overview of of the regulatory system in Uruguay and and the depth. Um, One of the things that I thought, thought was rather interesting was the fact that six ministers... Not just the Ministry of Agriculture, but six ministers have to sign off on each transgenic event that's approved for your wife. It seems like that would create a, a rather, um, I think to use your word, a robust system. Is that how you see it? In you know yourself?
3: Yes. From one side, it, it's uh, once an authorization an is uh, is performed, once an, an event is approved, uh, the. the it's very robust because it has all these views and an agreement. O- on the other side, in the, in the day-by-day work, it's um, it's hard the coordination, and it has to be very uh, a lot of energy on this, like the coordination mm-hmm. and the the time that it takes to get a final decision. That's, yeah. yeah.
2: And and you also commented as we prepared for this interview that. Um, that basically you have to recruit the um, assistance of busy professionals from many institutions uh, who already have busy jobs and and don't get paid anymore to to participate in a risk analysis uh, process. Um, So uh, that sounds like a challenging part of uh, being a, a coordinator.
3: Yes, it's, it's another of the challenge of this system. From one side, has a broad participation, and this is great, because uh, if you work in, in any of these institutions, all these nine institutions have competence on this area, on transgenic crops, so then you have the possibility to participate at the system. But on the other side many of them are really busy and so it's 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 key for the system to have very strong institutional support for the regulatory system right. for, for the the head of these institutions to give the time of these people to participate and to recognize the, the, the great job they do when mm. they, they participate. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah so the busy professionals, the Uruguayan scientists with expertise that might might apply have the the opportunity to participate, mm-hmm. but then also the burden to yes. participate because, yeah. and in fact, it's a rather small country, so I imagine mm-hmm. that um, the pool of of uh, experts in all the different areas it may not be very deep. So you really must have to work hard to uh, mm-hmm. to recruit your your uh, your volunteers. Yes,
3: yes it's uh, the risk the risk management commission. It's in one of the things that they they work permanently trying to 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 have the participation of of. Of all the institutions, and to have the to increase the participation, one way is is like offering courses in this area because sometimes it, it people has the expertise, but it's not directly related to to transgenic crops. So then it's to make them feel comfortable in, in the world that they can do it. Really, mm-hmm. they, they can read the information. Sure. It's just a, offering a course, explaining and and like the course we are doing with you. Mm-hmm. So we are very grateful with these this opportunities yeah, for Uruguay.
2: Uh, well, it's been, it's been my pleasure, as always, to come to Uruguay. Um, so I, I, you know, maybe this would have been a good question for the, early in the program, but um, uh, Uruguay ha- is, I believe, roughly 10th in the list of countries mm. that is producing transgenic crops, which is a pretty high number, really. Um, how, what are the traits that are being used here in Uruguay, the GMO mm-hmm. traits?
3: Yeah, we the trait we have is is uh, herbicide. So far, commercially, we have uh, herbicide tolerance and insect resistance okay. in corn and in soybean. Okay. Those are the two crops we have authorized. And yes, we are about one million hectares, around mm-hmm. one million hectare of of uh, yeah of transgenic Geo- crops. Yes.
2: Right. So one million hectares. Uh, so about two, two, nearly two and a half. Um, million acres, um, and so actually, you uh, for listeners who may not be aware, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay together form um, Paraguay. the and and Paraguay. Paraguay. That's right, right. Mm-hmm. Are, so so good good catch. Um, are our major contributors to principally transgenic soybean, but also transgenic mm-hmm. corn Glo- globally. Am, am mm-hmm. I so yes. so? You're a big kind of a big player on this on mm-hmm. this issue. So yes. Um, so um, you you had a very interesting uh, way of describing the first part of the program as as we t- prepared for it, and that was uh, a view from the inside. So you're someone inside the system and understands it very well. So, but you also wanted to talk about a view from the outside, and I was fascinated to
3: mm-hmm. hear
2: what you meant by that. So why don't you share with listeners a view from the outside?
3: Yes, yes, that's the way I, I had to say like. Once you work in day by day in this, you you are trying to do things the best you can, and you think everything it's going to be received, uh, understanding the good reasons why we work and we organize things in in this way. But uh, when you read the newspaper or, or or have another activities like you have a, a different view from from the outside, and we we have the perception like. Uh, w- people ask for zero risk for example once we if we authorize something it has to have zero risk or zero uncertainty and this is something we have to work in this because there is it doesn't exist zero risk in anything we we can do in anything we are eating in anything we we plant and uh, so the um, the, the risk that is assumed by the risk managers, and they, they take the final decision. So we do our best to, there, there always will be uncertainties and, and, and risk, but uh, they take the decision, um, taking into account all these situations, and if they achieve a final decision of authorization, it's because they, they can deal with that level of risk regarding environment and, and health. And this is something like it's like two different language. Like when you work at the regulatory system, you know mm-hmm. that, but then when you authorize something, the people that doesn't know about the, the system or what we do say, oh, this one, uh, like I assume it has zero risk, and, and no, it's not uh, oh, in that. Oh, I
2: see. If it's a very, very minor risk, it surprises somebody because they're assuming it really it should be zero
3: yeah, and then but if you compare with with conventional varieties for example, there is also risk there and and mm-hmm. nobody say anything but in this technology they they like overload with this requirement or, or yeah. like we have that um, yeah. like we do a very a very sophisticated system and we have many people around it and and but it's um, it's something we have to, to work. This is one one issue that they they talk about the the precautionary principle. Also saying, well, if if, if there is if there is still information we don't know, then th- let's say no, and you, like apply the precautionary principle and say no, we do not authorize because we still uh, need to gather more information. Or, but sometimes. Uh, Actually, it is plenty of information and and we can investigate those uncertainties, but we can also compare with conventional breeding or com- compare with other activities for the regulators. It's, there is no problem to authorize and, and, and keep going with that. So it uh, those are, are things that are coming up very, very common. And also the... Um, the, the risk analysis of the... We do, like, something we are always trying to explain is that what we do is we do risk analysis regarding the event per se, regarding the gene per se that it was introduced, and this gene gives a protein, and what this gene, if it's inserted in the genome, if it can make another change, or the protein, if it if it's toxic or allergic, or we, we analyze that. But... Um, from the outside, it's always associated with the technology that is associated. For example, with, with no-tilling or, or unrelated to erosion or um, chemical applications, if they are doing in the right or in the wrong way. If, For example, if the event gives uh, the trait is herbicide tolerance, so then um, the grower can apply the herbicide. And, and the plant will not die. Well, maybe this herbicide increase the use. No, this if you authorize an event, the use of this herbicide be increased. But there is another office in the Ministry of Agriculture and other ministers related to the risk analysis of the herbicide itself. Yes,
2: good point. And which is distinct from the risk analysis that you all perform.
3: Yeah. So yeah. then, so then from the outside, seeing that we should analyze. The event per se, the gene per se, and the trade per se, plus the associated technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, many times it's confused, the, the technology with the, uh, the, the, the um, genetic engineering itself with the, te- the associated technology. And uh, or the agricultural system that we have, that discussion that can we can have, there is no problem. But it's important for the people to understand that this commission what does is to analyze the event per se. And we think that even though this is my opinion also now, no, I'm mm-hmm. going to say my sure. opinion, Alejandro Ferenc's opinion is That's like okay. even though we have a, a process-based regulatory system, I strongly. Thing that it 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 is not the technology uh, per se what is giving the risk, but the product that we can we, we should regulate, right. and that could be more that will be um, make me feel better. For example, to do all this work that we we work so hard on this technology specifically and other technology supplies, we are not.
2: Yeah. Maybe we don't have any regulation on yeah. it. Yeah. So, so let me let me just interrupt here for a moment. And this this some listeners may not be aware of the distinction between a process based and a product based regulatory system. By and large, worldwide, with the possible partial, I'd say the possible exception of Canada, um, it, they're pretty much process based, including even the United States. And uh, so, what that means is, if it was. The genetic change was created through genetic engineering. Then it, it goes through a whole series of, of um, uh, regulatory um, steps. And if if it happens to be the same genetic change, you know, in theory, is made through conventional breeding. Mm-hmm. What what uh, what are the what regulatory system is in place for that?
3: Well, at least in Uruguay, we have no regulatory system for that.
2: Yeah, anything. either, either, and we don't either. It's, I mean, all food must be that that is sold must be safe. So there is that sort of overarching regulation. But yeah, we we had the experience of, of a of a uh, of, of a potato breeder here in Uruguay when you know who described conventional breeding and when asked what regulate regulatory actions did he have to um, address, I think he said none, didn't he?
3: Mm-hmm. Do I yeah. understand. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's.
2: Um, so um, I, I don't know if you uh, didn't didn't mean to interrupt what you were saying, but um, uh, one more thing. One more thing. Let's go ahead yeah. and do that. Yeah.
3: No. From from outside, I was thinking about this this zero risk that the people ask for zero risk. I already told you on precautionary principle mm-hmm. and to mix to mix the concept of um, pesticides use with the. Uh, event itself. And another thing is the, is the labeling of GM food that we, at least in Uruguay, it's a strong uh, requirement for or, or request of, of to label the GM food. But I believe it, it is, it's it's confu- confusing the food safety with the, mm. the labeling of GM food. And that's uh, another thing that uh, they request that. But actually, it, it has to be clear that if you label a uh, GM food. It's because you want to say to the consumer the, the origin of that food, but not regarding the, the safety. If it's in, in, if the food it's in the supermarket, it's because it has the, the food safety analysis and it was okay. That what was authorized to be in in the supermarket, and just the labeling. is just for you, for the right of the consumer to know the origin of that of that food, but. Not related it to to food safety and and some and here I perceive that people want we label the food that comes from GM mm-hmm. like uh, maybe not trusting on the on the health analysis or something yeah. just because they think it's not healthy.
2: Right, yeah. right. We run into the. I think that's the same sort of tension that exists really in every country where these crops are used. Is yeah. is that that. Tension over labeling. Now, we're sitting here in the Ministry of Agriculture, and uh, we walked through an entrance with a lot of graffiti, in the main entrance, by the way, a lot of graffiti, and and not to pick on anyone in particular or any uh, corporation in particular, but I I found it very, very striking, um, basically what were most of the messages saying.
3: Well, mainly uh, against multinational companies, and that's the, the, the most important message that we, we we receive, and that's the interesting or maybe fascinating of this topic, because if you are uh, if you work in a lab, you maybe you don't realize that this topic it's uh, related with intellectual property and multinationals mm-hmm. and uh, other social and, and, and market issues, and it it has many many areas to, to combine and I think our work should be to to explain every time we can all these different issues for the people to make to make, the, to make the, the, the right decision based on good information because uh, they, they say no to transgenic because they don't like multinational companies right. but maybe if they understand what the technology can give you they, they will say way. Well, Maybe they change the graffiti and say, "I don't like multinational companies right, right. but not the transgenic." You know, just to dip- uh, to learn to differentiate yeah, things.
2: Precisely, yeah, that's one of one of the objectives I have in in the work that I do in this topic is, is very similar to what you described and try to help empower people to make their own decision based on the at least to have the scientific facts as they ponder. How it fits to their values, but I—it's I, I, very important to make sure people know that there are ma- many uh, transgenic crops or or genetically engineered crops in development or that have been developed in developing countries where there may be no intellectual property issues and are meant. To, these products are meant to be freely shared if allowed to be used, and and uh, that yeah, we have to make sure that um, people understand that there's not necessarily a requirement that there be. Um, you know, a profit motive behind the use yeah. of, the, of these technologies. Yes,
3: yes, there are. That's one of the, one of the of the issues. But um, yeah, then also uh, other issues we are having now. For example, is the as asynchronous async, uh, In that async, eh, uh, Oh, uh,
2: asynchronous uh, approval
3: approvals. Yeah. yeah, that's also another issue that sometimes there is no technical or, or scientific reason behind it, but uh, authorizations are not at the same time in different countries, and then one country doesn't accept this product because it has these GM uh, compounds, and, and, and then it's it's really, sometimes it's very uh, are big issues there, and, and yeah. many people get get harmed economically, and due to all this these other problems related to it, so it's it's important to understand the technique itself and also all the other issues related to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, Alejandra, was is there anything else you'd like listeners to know about this rather complex and grand topic?
0: Well,
3: no. I think it's. <laughs> I think I already talk a lot. <laughs> so, no, for me, it's. it's it, there are uh, more questions about other, our regulatory system. That, of course, it's always changing. What I'm telling yeah. you today, of course, we are uh, we are uh, in the process of changing some of these issues. And and but this is uh, all regulatory systems are uh, are moving all the time. Mm-hmm. So sure. yeah,
2: yeah, moving and changing. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program, and we're, we'll also put a link. Uh, yes. To uh, that you provide uh, to the Ministry of Ag or something similar, mm-hmm. whatever you provide, and we'll we'll post that on the website as well. So uh, we really appreciate appreciate your being involved, and thanks for joining us.
3: Well, no, thank you, Paul, for your uh, idea, and hope it's useful. Yeah. Yes,
2: mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it. This is a follow up to the wonderful interview I had with Alejandra. This is Paul Vincelli, and I thought about how six ministers sign off on the approval of every transgenic trait. And that's a very significant difference between the way we do things in the United States and Uruguay, because we have three agencies, not six, at most, that sign off on a um, a transgenic trait, the FDA, the USDA, and uh, the EPA, whereas six uh, representatives sign off in, in Uruguay, and it's six ministers. So that would be the equivalent of being the secretary of the Department of Agriculture, for example. So six ministers. And, and I think that that uh, gives uh, great representation to various sectors of society in the decision-making on transgenic crops. But the downside is that p- provides six political figures with the opportunity to sign off or not on a particular transgenic trait. And I think that potentially raises some challenges, too, to the approval of new traits. So it's an interesting footnote, and I wanted to add it. And thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Talking Biotech. Write a review on iTunes, and tell a friend to listen, as your support allows us to deliver more about exciting science to more people. I'm Paul Vincelli, and thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Please send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to TalkingBiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review on iTunes and recommend this podcast to a friend. More downloads and reviews raise the visibility of this podcast and help us reach a
0: wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's Electronic Lab Notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at Calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot